Yeah, the last two weeks, just kind of working in the tap room, we've had the garage door open and multiple people every day stop by and share their stories. And and uh, it's been, it's really exciting to see because they're not necessarily always people that you would think are gonna come in and, and drink ciders, but they're people that are gonna come in and share their stories for real and they're, they're uh, worth being heard. Hey, welcome to Tap That AZ. I'm your host, Eric Walters, and in this episode, I'm joined by AZ Beer Jedi. We sit down with brothers Jason and Josh Duran from Cidercore in downtown Mesa. We talk about giving back to the veterans who fought for this country and the challenges of selling cider in a craft beer world. Let's tap into Cidercore. I am in historic Mesa at Cidercore. Hanging out with the dudes from Cidercore. I've got AZ Beer Jedi here. Cidercore guys, thanks for joining us. It's pretty awesome. So, so you guys want to introduce yourselves? We'll start with uh, with you. My name is Jason, and I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Cidercore. I'm Josh, the other co-founder. <laughs> and we are Cidercore. We are Cidercore. Right. And I'm Stefan, otherwise known as AZ Beer Jedi, and I'm just here hanging out. <laughs> He came here for the free cider is really free what it was. Yeah. Sampling and promoting. <laughs> Which I'm stumbling down free the sidewalk. <laughs> and like, He'll leave as soon as the sample cups are gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see a few, bar- few barrels, so we're going to be okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I think we'll be good for a little bit. Yeah. So, guys, thanks for joining me. This is, this is pretty awesome. We've been excited to do this. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah thanks for coming out. Yeah. Uh, so, why did you guys get into cider? In 2012, Jason was deployed at the... Marine Corps in Afghanistan and while he was there he hit two IEDs and suffered two traumatic brain injuries um, so when he returned uh, I was kind of going through a lot of uh, brain doctor appointments a lot of trying to get everything sorted out going through the medical retirement process and um, during that time uh, I owned a brand development company and um, so we I could rearrange my schedule to kind of do, do whatever. And, uh, he had mentioned that one of his doctors had told him, Hey, you need to find like some sort of a therapeutic hobby, something to kind of keep you focused during the day, keep your interest going. And, uh, it'll help with a lot of the other processes, you know? And, um, and while he was gone, I had done a little bit of research on, uh, what to do as like a support person, okay. a family member being a, being a brother, uh, and this, and not really knowing anybody that's been in the military or been in war. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I kind of knew like, what is, what is my role? Cause I don't have any idea of how things go down. And, uh, and one of the things was finding a, a hobby to encourage the person alongside. So we, uh, yeah. We had kind of looked at we had kind of looked at brewing beer because we had always talked about that, and uh, we were at his house out in Gilbert and kind of felt like every other garage was <laughs> brewing beer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, um, we can drink all of their beer and enjoy it. What could like, how could we kind of create something, or at least experiment with something that hadn't been hadn't been around? Yeah. So. That was a little bit of it, and then uh, if you want to talk about Ireland and 
Yeah, so on, um, <clears throat> we stopped in Ireland on the way back from Afghanistan. That was kind of my first experience with uh, cider outside of the uh, the uh, two big brands. The mainstreams. <laughs> the mainstreams. <Yeah. laughs> and um, was, you know, was, I was impressed. You know, I had a flight of of beer and cider there and and you know they serve it like it's just a normal it, it wasn't like here it's like can i get a cider you know and they're like well yeah, we have you know but there it's like it, it's kind of a main mainstream thing like everybody drinks it like it's normal like a beer or anything else and so um that was kind of my first experience and it wasn't like i drank it and was like oh my god i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna make this You're like this is what i want to do with my life you know yeah. and um it was just kind of I had it it was good and then um josh had some and in, in canada it was a little bit different than what was here and so like he was saying we we're talking about making beer and you know everybody was doing it kind of at that time it seemed like all of our friends and so uh, we thought we'd try to see if we could make something uh different here you know and um, dive down into the uh, cider making thing so i think it was uh a little bit after I got back, it was his birthday, so I bought him a cider making kit from the homebrew store. Oh, nice. Yeah, we, we made <laughs> it, nice. and it was uh, <laughs> nice. it was horrid. It was pretty <laughs> terrible. I think we were like, oh, cool, we made alcohol, and then we we just flushed it all. Uh, really? So, it wasn't yeah, even drinkable? It was terrible. Uh, like, in what way? Like, was it just, like, vinegar? Or? It, no, it, it was just super, super sugary. Um, it was really harsh alcohol. You could tell that most of it was just, um, it wasn't necessarily the apples being fermented. It was, at that time, we didn't know, but looking back on it, you know, it was just fermented sugar. Yeah. It was a bunch of sugar, <laughs> added sugar. Because, you know, those kids are like, you pour this in there, you add some water, you add like yeah. bags of sugar, yeah. and there you go. <laughs> right? So it's like <laughs> apple, apple extract with a bunch of sugar, you know? Um, so it, you know, it probably took a while. You know, my wife kind of saw that. I was super interested in it and at that time wasn't really interested in anything. So she ordered me a book on cider making and, um, you know, at the time I was going through speech therapy, I was having troubles reading and I went through this book, I read it and, um, started doing a lot of research online and we continued to make batches. It was probably a solid year though, before we made anything that we we're like, we could drink this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it took a long time. Um, that's kind of why we got in. That's why we went down the cider route was there's there was no existing like recipes like hmm. in beer making there was no like do this and do this you know and so for us it was kind of like that's the best hobby to have is when you're just walking down a path trying to figure out what are we doing it's a lot of trial and error yeah so you, guys, you know we yeah. had that yeah. homebrew kit and it was terrible and like the next thought was okay that's a good start now let's go you know uh, he knew somebody who had a family farm in Duncan and we picked up a ton of just leftover apples from them. He built a press and that's cool. pressed it. And then, and so it was like, just constantly like, okay, that was terrible. What is this? Okay. That was, that was a little bit better, but it was still terrible and it was different and just kept rolling. And so the experimentation of it is what really made it like the most interesting because yeah. we didn't know where we were going. And, and a business was not the end goal. It was just the, the fun of being together and the hobby yeah. to really, like, help him. Yeah, at that time, it was know. really like, okay, mm -hmm. the, like he was saying about the recipes, 
the main cider producers weren't really saying like what they were doing, yeah. you know, and it was just like, okay, you take, you take apple juice and you just throw yeast in it, add some sugar to it. So you, you got can have of, more alcohol. You reached out and that was, that's what it was, you know. And you have a science background too, right? Like, yeah. So, you kind so of understood that part of it. Um, we'd been doing, so kind of what he was saying about, um, uh, doctors, my therapist saying like, you need to have, you need to do something like a hobby. Um, I had, since I was wounded, I had a hundred percent GI bill. So I was like, well, I can get paid to go to school. And so, um, what am I going to do? Like, I, I just got my degree before I went overseas and it was in fire science, emergency management. And, you know, I was gung ho to be a firefighter and, um, just went through the intern Academy and I was having, I just, I knew that I couldn't have somebody else's, somebody else, uh, depending on me to save their life, you know, if, if it were to ever come to that. And so, um, decided that not, I, I shouldn't pursue that, but you know, is what do I do? Well, um, I've always had a garden in my backyard, pretty good sized garden. And, um, I'd heard about horticulture therapy. And so I knew if that's an, a real thing and I love being in the garden, it was therapeutic for me that maybe that would be my future, you know? And so everything kind of started merging together. Um, went to school for sustainable horticulture and it was like, um, learning more and more about plants. And the more I learned about plants, the more I understood what was happening with the ciders. And the more we got into the sciences, then the more I could kind of um, change the way that we were doing it and my understanding of, I mean, I did uh, biochemistry of yeast, so I, I really understood what was happening from fermentation aspect. And so I really helped us refine, like between two years two and three, like we changed dramatically, you know. It wasn't just, uh, and as still, still at that time, it wasn't like, this is what we're going to do. Like, we're going to open up a cidery and, you know, it was more just, it was getting more exciting, getting deeper into um, building flavor profiles and understanding really what was happening from the science of it, you know. Right. Yeah. And that's really interesting, too, because, like, you, you understood the process behind it. It's not just follow these steps. Okay, now what? Okay, maybe I'll switch this ingredient. Like, you understood, like, the science yeah, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like far, far beyond. It started to come far beyond like this. Okay, we know what yeasts we like and the flavor profiles that they put off, and it makes it taste good. So let's just keep doing that. But it took it from there and just kept evolving it into knowing basically the science behind the like entire process. Like, this is exactly why this is doing this. This is how we should be treating this and this you know and he just took it and started creating procedures of like this is how we are going to get the best possible fermentation and then moving from there you know yeah <clears throat> yeah at a certain point you guys i know you had to have had like the aha moment you talked about you know your first year like you didn't get something that you liked you know and then the trial and error and then the experimentation factor but when was the moment where it's just like you know what this is this is damn good. Like mm. we got to do something else that's as good, but different. Like when was that moment for me is when I became neighbors with all, or like friends with all my neighbors uh. and they started coming over and the garage doors <laughs> open, you know, cause they knew what to expect. We came from Kansas where you, you know, all your neighbors, they're all your friends. You cook out, you do all this stuff and been in Arizona since 2004 and 
lived on in the same house for the last four years and only knew one of my neighbors. Well, now I know all of them, you know, because when you're out in the garage, cider. people come by and they ask questions. And before you know it, like you're having a cider with them and, you know, you become friends really quick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that kind of led to people being like, we need that. You need to do something. You need to be able to like sell this to people. People need to try this. And uh, it's kind of, that was kind of my aha moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Cause you're, you're so wrapped up in the hobby of it and the fun of it that you kind of have all these different moments. But I think the, the biggest aha moment for me was when, uh, we had a friend who was like, Hey, I know somebody at Fox mm. restaurant group. Would you guys be interested in putting your cider before them? You know? And, it, and like Jason was saying, like we didn't have a business. It was a hobby, but there was some, you know, like as things go and you start to like, like the product, friends and neighbors are starting to like it. There's a part of it where a little bit of ego maybe is you want to hear from somebody that you don't know and who is legit in the profession and can say feedback. Yeah. And uh, so we, I think we did about 10 different flavors and took, and we bottled them up and took them and did this meeting with, uh, it ended up being a beverage director at, Fox Restaurant Group, and uh, we sat down and he started tasting them, and it's like not a lot, not a lot of feedback, just kind of asking a lot of questions. And we hadn't been in that environment before, so we didn't really know what was going on. Um, and a little intimidating, oh, a little very intimidating, intimidating. <laughs> yeah, a little intimidating, especially because we're at like we're at one of the restaurants, just sitting on the patio, so people are like eating all around us, you know. And he's looking around like doesn't have time for this you yeah. know and oh really yeah yeah it's like these guys you know like cider nobody cares about cider you know and uh he gets almost all the way through and it was it was actually about this time i think three years ago two years ago two years ago and we had just messed around with pumpkin pie for the first pumpkin pie cider for the first time and he took a drink and he was just like how did you do this? <laughs> and there like was a few from, like expletives in there, you know, yeah. like what? And we kind of were like, Oh no. All right. So <laughs> see you later. We'll, yeah. we'll take off. It's not good. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm saying like, I, I'm not even sure how to describe it because I've been all over the world and had ciders. And he's like, honestly, not a huge fan of cider. Um, and he's like, and I know that all this is apple juice. But, and so you have to call it cider, but there's, you guys found something. Where are you making it? And it was like, oh, we just make it in the garage as a <laughs> hobby. And the look on his face and kind of the response of like, as soon as you can figure out how to do that legally, <laughs> loved, I would love to get it. And can I have 10 of those pumpkin pie bottles to take to my Thanksgiving event? Wow. And so leaving there, you know, it's mm. kind of an aha, but it's also like a, what? what just happened what just happened <laughs> you know like i guess we need to figure out what it means to start a business and yeah. uh so that was kind of for me that was the aha moment was here we are stepping out of the garage environment and just having fun to somebody saying like i enjoy the taste of this and that that slowly becomes your goal you know in the business part of it is like you just don't want to make some product that we can get out there and that makes money but like really 
here we are at a picnic table and this is kind of this is the goal is that people are able to sit around and exp like drink things and say i've never tasted anything like that before and maybe there's people that don't like this one or that one but they can appreciate the science and the craft and the art behind it and for us that that was like that soon became like the pinnacle of, of what a business could be is just building community in a new way so. yeah one of the other things that came from that was uh, pairing dinners and so we it was probably just a month after that meeting that we did <laughs> a pairing dinner at that culinary dropout in scottsdale and um you know we we had a little bit of a following just from um, homebrew stuff yeah and um that that was it the first one sold out in like 15 minutes and then they called to ask can you guys make double batch so we can you know it's like nope but yeah we'll do it you know <laughs> and and we did and they sold out the second one and less time than that and um it was it was pretty crazy and so uh it was that's when we started to like, okay, this needs to be more than, uh, you'll, you'll see in the production area, there's a couple hundred gallon poly tanks. That was our original production that we were going to be doing our production with. Okay. A uh, hundred gallons at a time, you know, and doing those dinners, like, I think we need to do something more than that, <laughs> you know, and that eventually, I mean, through some other heartbreak, turned out to be good things. We ended up with 200 barrel tanks. So those are awesome. we went from a hundred gallon plan for Arizona cider huge. to uh, 100 you know 200 barrel capacity so so I kind of want to piggyback on you just said like right there Arizona cider like for me um, I'm anybody that has chatted with me or seen what I do I'm just a massive massive enthusiast to the idea that Arizona's got great stuff mm. we don't need to look anywhere else let's look here and, and, and enjoy it and I have had plenty of of endless conversations with friends about a niche or doing something different because people ask me, well, why don't you brew or why don't you do, do this? And I'm completely fine with letting someone else doing something and, you know, me appreciating it. But uh, I was thinking one day with a friend, I'm like, you know, we should do a cider. We Let's, you know, there's no cider here. Let's, let's do something like that. <clears throat> and he's like, well, it won't sell. You know, no one, mm. it's, they already got, you know, a couple of brands and it's like not a big deal, but you know, I'm drinking six of your ciders right now, and I can tell you I've never tasted anything <laughs> like these. And I, I still like those big brand or whatever the taste cider, but this is the next level. And this is why I think this is such a huge thing. And that's why when I seen, uh, you know, it was Mouth by Southwest that did an article on you guys. And I'm bored at work going through my, my little <laughs> feed. And I seen that, and I was that was my holy crap, you know, aha, like, finally, somebody... Let's get behind this and make sure that everyone knows because it's not unless somebody introduces you to it do you even know that it's possible. And I think you guys you guys just kicked down the door to what is like going to be like a massive thing. So like I'm I'm so excited about it. Thanks, man. Yeah, that you know, and that was kind of the uh, the thought behind. I think it was probably kind of when the cider started to turn decent that you know we were trying to figure out i did a uh we added some red wine into one to like a mold cider with uh sp some spices and orange peel i was like all right so we can do some collaborations with the wineries because we're going to be a winery but like what about like a brewery you know and um way back in the days to do malted ciders where they would just add basically beer wort to apple juice and ferment them together so we made one in the in the house and uh 
I was like, this is, this could actually be really good, you know? And, and so, um, when we ended up down here and uh, kind of went through the construction process of watching Oro come to be and hanging out and becoming friends with them is like, do we need to do, I want to do one of these, you know? So we did a Irish red malted cider. We called the high and tight and, and it was really, it was, became really popular, but then we did, we did a second one with them. And then we did this one with 12 West and it started to really feel like, cause we're coming across a lot of people that are like that. Like they need to be introduced to who we are and what we're doing. And the, the brewing industry is awesome right now. And so, um, it's cool cause we're not a competitor of the beer industry, you know? So we can go in there and do something unique and different with them. And it is an introduction for us, but it's also a new and exciting product. So like this kettle sour IPA is, I mean, I think they went through a 10 barrel batch in, in like a week and a half. Wow. So it was a, it was an awesome seller. It's really unique. And, um, you know, that, that showed us off to a bunch of other people, you know, but also got them a little bit of recognition and doing something different. Well, that, that's when I came down to, to be able to see you guys was over at Oro. You guys did joint forces yeah. and I had no idea that there was ever anything like that before, like mm-hmm. a merge between the two. And, um, just there that night was packed. And then we came over here and there was tons of people, you know, excited to see it. And I guess, um, didn't get a chance to go out to, I think we you guys at Ellsworth and then 12 West, 12 West. Yeah. 12 West. Old Ellsworth. Um, how was it there? I mean, was did you get the same reception and were there's people supporting and Oh yeah, that night was insane. The twelve West release, it was uh the inside was packed, outside was packed, the neighbors outside was packed it was packed everywhere. Nice. It was really cool. I think the greatest part, even beyond just there being so many people and like kind of the reception being good, was that <clears throat> the responses to the the dead end, the Kettle Sour um IPA was the same as how you were kind of talking about our ciders is like, what, what is this? Yeah. I've never had, like, this is so cool to experience something new. And that's like, back to what you were saying about, uh, just champion, championing everything in Arizona. Well, we're both East Valley guys. And so for us, the wilderness, like when they first open and kind of being a part of that scene, their journey of saying like, our entire brewery is going to be about pushing the bounds of beer and experimentation, but also we're going to like, it's always going to be about Arizona. We want people to know. And yeah. And like, I know early on I had saw like an interview um, with a couple of the guys and they were saying that they weren't going to do like mass distribution of their product because they wanted people in other States around the country to say, I'm, I'm going to go to Arizona. Because if there literally is a brewery there that's making some of the best beer in the world, I'm going to go there on vacation, not during the summer, and um, <laughs> yeah. and check out these beers. And for us, it was like, that was really inspiring to hear like that we love our state and our state has a bad name politically. Our state has a bad name in a lot of other ways. So let's make something to start building this place back up. Right. And for us, that was like, how once it turned into a business that's kind of what the charge that we started following was like let's let's make something that our state can be proud of because they can say there isn't anything else like this going on and then these collaborations just take that to a whole a whole nother level because like you said i never heard or seen that before you know right and uh we get we get responses on 
social media from people in other states saying, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. Yeah, we're, like, we're seeing really other breweries cool, and cideries know? doing collaborations. It's really cool to see, like, uh, kind of like, kind of like a trend. Almost, because, uh, you know, like, it seems like the, the wine industry and the beer industry have always just been kind of mind their own business, separate. Like, you don't really, you yeah. know, besides trading barrels or something. So trying to, like, bridge that gap of we're all a community. You know, we can all work together and, and do different crazy things. Well, that was kind of my concept, you know, or the conversation that we had before we started this was the idea that on a, on a team, or an, I like analogies, I really like military analogies, you know, you have different sections assigned to a different thing, but you all, you're composite to the end goal. And the end goal, who doesn't enjoy a nice drink? And the idea that there can be that unity, I mean, you're going to get barrels that are, you know, from a winery, and then you're going to partner up with a brewery. And then they got something from a distillery. So having cider here in Arizona is really completing that team. Mm. And, you know, like you said, it's not about competition. It's about pushing each other to do, like, the best that they Bigger, possibly can. Things. And I was I was driving to, to spot that I'm a big fan of the other day and um, actually had a conversation with somebody there about a topic I was thinking about. People who are snowbirds and people who come in, it's got to be really interesting when they show up every winter and the place is doubled in what's available. Mm. Whether it's bottle shops, you know, breweries, now that we've got cider, it's like every time they come here, it's going to be that exciting thing. So to drive that point, it's, it's going to drive traffic back yeah. in a larger way. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, to like, uh, it's like someone that says, oh, I don't like beer. It's like, well, you haven't had good beer. That's why you don't like beer, right? You know? Sure. So same thing with cider. People are like, ah, I don't really like cider. Well, you haven't had good cider. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so that's that's what you guys are doing, and this stuff is is fantastic. So we've been kind of sipping through them a little bit here. Um, you want to run us through what we're, what we're doing? Yeah, so um, we have six different ciders. Um, the first one is kind of our take on... Uh, a Moscow mule inspired cider. We call it camouflage. I love that name. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's got 30 pounds of ginger car, car orange and some lime zest. Um, the next one I think is a cold brew infused. We did a collaboration with, um, provision coffee, took some of their cold brew and pushed it back in. So it's, um, it's got a nice, one of the things we noticed with cold, with, with, uh, coffee was, you know, like when you talk with a grinder, like, Oh man, you're going to, you're gonna get um, like uh, floral and chocolatey notes, and you're kind of like, yeah, it tastes like coffee to me. I don't know, you know. <laughs> and um, to us, it seemed like the the cider really kind of opened up those notes, so you can really taste some of that chocolate and floral and you know uh, citrusy notes. It was really cool, and it seems to be kind of what cider does. Is whatever you put into it, it really kind of shows it, you amps know? it up. The next one is. The ginger. What That's the that? Moscow Mule one, right? Oh, is it? I think so. this one I'm smelling. Yeah, you can definitely yep, smell. <laughs> like, yep. <that's laughs> Did I bring two of those? Oh, that's the pumpkin pie. Ah, right. oh, the pumpkin pie. Yeah, yeah, that one's really interesting. Like, that's. Uh, yeah, so we uh, um, did kind of collaborated with Worth Takeaway across the way and um, took in 50 pumpkins, baked them, and then. Um, took the skins off, steeped them in apple juice for a couple hours with uh, ginger, uh, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice. Um, totally get that cinnamon. All yeah. the pumpkin pie. 
all seasonings. The, yep. And um, and I'm a nut for anything cinnamon. Like if cinnamon's a component, I'm like, I'm all about it. <laughs> The next cinnamon, one yeah. was our uh, prickly pear hopped. So um, prickly pears, and then we add mosaic, centennial, and cascade to dry hop it, just very lightly to add a little bit to the uh, the earthiness. Is uh, that the lady in pink? Lady in pink liberty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have a question about that one, and I need you to, to verify or, or correct it. Um, Wrong. To your knowledge, <laughs> were you guys, was there any other prickly pear ciders before you did it? To our knowledge, I no, no. Now that you've done it, isn't isn't there? <laughs> We're not, seeing it in other states. You're seeing it in other states really? now. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. You're that welcome. one was like kind of like our the whole purpose behind that was back to the Arizona thing. Something unique. It's like, what kind of a cider can we make that says this is Arizona cider and prickly pears yeah. seem to be a really good fit. And now, yeah, like like you said, you see it in different states where it's like hmm, prickly pear. Interesting. Didn't know that it grew there. That's pretty cool. But I mean, which is amazing. Like, it's a great flavor that, like, again, if people are drinking it in other states and are looking up, where's prickly pear from? Where did that start? You know, we got the. Then it's it's all eventually like coming back to here. Yeah. But, yeah, when we made it, this is honestly probably once we started flavoring the ciders, it was probably. That and mango first, habanero. Yeah, it was like the first one or two flavors that we did. So that, that's that been around for almost four years, you know? Okay. And it's refined over time. But the idea of having a prickly pear one and then the the brilliance of the way it looked once we started to infuse it, it was like, yeah, right, I think we... That's amazing. Yeah, we got to stick with this one. This one's got to be a staple for a while. Yeah, that one's really good. It's so smooth, too. Like, it's... It's a perfect combination of flavors. It is. Okay, so we just drink now. <laughs> <laughs> so we had one. The, um, what was left? The 12 West? Yeah, so then it's the uh, Kettle Sour IPA Malted Cider. The Dead um, End. So we, it's called uh, the Dead End. The, the dead, dead End. The Dead End? Is that this one here? It this is. is. A, okay. So that one was uh, uh, Kettle Sour IPA, and then um, uh, boiled that off and blended it with... Uh, half and half with uh, the beer wort and apple juice, co-fermented them together. And then um, we caramelized 40 gallons of apple juice down to about 20 gallons and pushed it back in for the unfermentable sugars to give it a little bit of that because it was really, really dry. And then dry hopped it with 30 pounds of, I think maybe over 30 pounds of hops. If you've had 12 West beers, yeah, you know Noel likes to yeah. go go all in like their beers man yeah me too so i've i have a question about that one i mean you guys have headed out what has been the reception like because i I wanted there's something i want to say about it after you say that to the collaboration yeah to that flavor yeah um like i think jason mentioned earlier is 12 west went through all their kegs in like a week and a half uh old ellsworth was hitting us up asking if they could buy some of our kegs because we don't have a tap room yet saying like hey could we get some of those kegs because it's flying off and um so the reception as far like as far as we know it's been really good and we when we bring people in and do little samples and stuff it's always been kind of back to that what is this right (laughs) there's initial shock of i don't really know how to describe it and then as they sip through a glass then it's like 
Can I have another glass? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And it's eight and a half percent. So, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, now, so we stop at one glass. That's what yeah. I was gonna, you know, you're, you're going to run into a lot of, again, trying to like get someone by the hand, bring them in and be like, no, trust me, try this. Cause I do that all the time with people. And initially their thought is, well, I don't like beer. And I was like, well, watch, let, let me show you why you're wrong. <laughs> The one of the biggest trends right now, and I always joke that I'm like a trend and a half behind the beer community when it comes to flavors and things like that. It, Not in fashion, though. Any any <laughs> any event that is built around gozes or sours, it it's been amazing for me to watch like how many people lose their minds over that category of mm-hmm. beer, and that's going to be the ultimate. Like this this cider is awesome. I don't even. I don't even. No no offense. I don't want to call it a cider like you just said because it's. It's like nothing you've never you've ever had before. So, yeah. yeah. No, it was a, for us. It was a lot of fun because we uh, we kind of instantly, when meeting with Noel, realized that kind of his goals in his beer and our goals in cider were very similar. And uh, like like Jason was saying, when when you're kind of on the outside of the brewing community because we're making cider, there's not like a competition yeah. feel. Uh, and with Noel, from kind of day one of meeting him and just sharing what we're doing, he was so, like, excited that about the craft, you know, and the, the science and the time and what appreciated could be, what that. What could be produced. Yeah, that then he was kind of the one that was like, we need to get in the lab. Let's, like, let's get this going, you know. Let's, um, let's get things rolling and jumped on it and... Yeah, they've been they've been great to us. Um, we're excited to get them down here. That's kind of where the connection came from was uh, the Twelve West downtown Maine. Um, but yeah, the product it was cool. It was cool because it was one of those things when you're experimenting, just like we were at the very beginning of cider. You start making something, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. Right. And I think even on the first day, Noel's like, "Okay, so this is either going to be." really amazing or this is gonna be one of the worst things we've ever had <laughs> and you and like you don't know you know and so it's this anticipation and even even trying it late later on it was like it still needs something like it's it's really good and it's almost there but it still needs something and so uh jason was like well, why don't we almost caramelize a bunch of the juice and push it back in and uh, it'll just help it round out. And as soon as as soon as we did that, everybody was like, yeah. "That's it, there it is." And uh, so we were excited. And Twelve West had they had kind of the initial launch party, I guess, and to see see that support, to see that support. And they already have a community that trusts the beers that they make, and uh, to see those people welcome us in, and not have the Oh, is it cider? But just drink it for what it was and appreciate like that it was crafted really well. It was that, that was great? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a huge fan of smells too. Like I'll <laughs> sit there and smell a beer for like an hour before I even mm. drink it. And this the the nose on this is awesome. It's got almost like a like a northeastern style IPA mm-hmm. kind of uh, almost like a fruity yeah yeah element to it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I've never had anything like this. Like, so it was just, yeah. Cool. So I'm one of those people, like, That's what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if, if nobody explained it to you, because that, that happened, like, it got so big. We thought, oh, we'll cruise around and we'll explain to people what it is. But 
it got so crazy and then people are drinking like i don't i don't i don't know what to think like wait is this supposed to be a cider is it a beer is it a you know sour not really sure so what to think of it yeah, yeah. That, that's that's good though because what that's doing is it's it's causing people to rewire their perception because when you hear cider and then you sip and you're not getting cider mm. You're challenging that boundary of okay, well, the preconceived idea. I've got to toss that because I like this. Sure. <laughs> well, that you know that kind of um, kind of describes perfectly like our entire line of ciders and how uh, you know there's a a lot of people already kind of like we don't like sh- we don't like uh, ciders because they're really tart or they're really sugary. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things from the get go that we wanted to change like we don't we don't add sugar pre or post fermentation only the the flavorings like we post flavor um but uh we will you know we wanted to have something that what happens then is when you ferment it out it becomes really tart 90 percent of the acid in an apple is malic acid so if you take that sugar away you're left with a lot of acid so a lot of places have to add sugar back in or a lot of flavoring to um, kind of balance that out. So, uh, you know, we've adopted some kind of wine techniques, some uh, brewing techniques. And um, so we start our fermentation with, uh, we do 10% uh, ferment with wild yeast strain. And then we over pitch with beer yeast. So these were done with an English ale and a Burton ale and then um, um, how did you know to do that if I may ask because I know that you said you you had reached out to try to figure out you know what what kind of process or path to take with doing ciders like where was the inspiration to do something different so I'd read um, one of the uh, trends right now is um, I don't remember I'm gonna probably misspeak here I think it's China is trying to get into the wine industry and they wanted to do something different and um, before we became so sterile with our process uh, you were kind of your people were pitching um, years ago the yeast strains weren't um, single variety I mean they were there was all different kinds of things happening you know and um, so they started using wild yeast uh, Torula spora um, different types of yeast strands to kind of add some mouthfeel and then um, I had heard uh, talked with a winemaker from Napa and and he was kind of playing around with it and then uh, everybody knows Carvin Wilson Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah he's uh, he was using it in some of his meads and um, you know so I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a shot and it added so much mouth feel to the ciders because cider is uh can be very one-dimensional um uh, it's hard to kind of add like a, a big mouth feel too so um that's kind of why we how we got into using that and then we would over pitch with a beer yeast it would out compete that and that's where you get your main alcoholic fermentation from and then um we co-inoculate with a malolactic bacteria malolactic bacteria in the wine industry it, you wouldn't drink wine if it hadn't gone through MLF and so um, we knew that 
we didn't want to add a bunch we didn't want to add sugar back to it we didn't add, want to add so much stuff that it turned into a kool-aid no. so how do we cut that tartness malolactic bacteria it consumes uh, malolactic acid by like about 45 percent converts to lactic acid so you get a nice smoothness to it with a little bit of maybe tartness in there but not near as aggressive or abrasive as if, as it is without so really i think kind of what sets our ciders apart from most and i don't know I, I don't know anybody else in the cider industry that's using malolactic bacteria right now. Um, so we, at the end, we make a tan, we add a little bit of tannins, uh, and then at the end, we don't have to make any adjustments. Our, our final product is, is done, it's balanced. We can just add in prickly pear or ginger carcar, orange and lime, and that's it. So uh, I think that's kind of, but what we're getting is uh, people from the brewing industry love it. Uh, people from the wine industry love it. But like your um, kind of typical cider drinkers are kind of a little bit confused of why isn't this have like that grainy sugary feel or why isn't it really tart? And it's because we're trying to show that it's there's much more to it than just pitching yeast and being like, hey, letting it dry all the way out and then adding stuff back in to cover up that dryness and um so we, we actually yeah. stop fermentation before it's complete so there's very little i mean there's less sugar in most of these than um than most beers but really it's just wow. that we don't have that hop and uh, grain order to kind of Bitterness. bitter it back out yeah so um that was our way of kind of staying true to the apple and not just getting an alcohol from it that we can make a cocktail um <laughs> that it would still all all of them would still have a uh, apple-ness to it you know so it could stay true to what we thought was true to the apple and, and what cider should be so that's really kind of well, you're, you're leveling up the form which i think for a lot of people who are in anything you know when you put craft in front of it mm. they want to see the boundaries pushed you know, absolutely or even, sure. or even jumped for that matter yeah, for and it, sure. you know doing it this way is it's much more expensive. It's a lot more time consuming. You know, we use uh, temperature control so we can ferment in the low 60s. Uh, apples ferment really, really fast. It's a real simple sugar, you know. So um, our fermentation, we instead of it being like two, three days, we're, we take it to about two to three weeks and um, just really allow yeast to add a nice, um, I don't know, profile to it as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, from kind of from day one, not being guys who are raised on an orchard or even really being cider drinkers, the, the kind of route that we were trying to go down in the hobby making was in craft beer and in really good wine, it's the well-balanced that you appreciate because when it's well-balanced, then you can, you can get all of the different flavors. When somebody makes a really well-balanced stout, then you get to experience the little coffee notes that they put in or the little vanilla bean notes, right? And, and in wine, it's the same thing. In cider, when it's either really dry and super tart or really sweet, you get like whatever the flavor that they put back into it, you can get that or you can get like a punch in the mouth from the dry and tartness, but you don't really get that well-balanced like entire mouthfeel where you could taste the apple, you taste some of the hops that are in there, you taste the prickly pear. And so that that was always kind of the route that we were trying to go down. And 
it like became more scientific over time, you know, and mm. now it, now there's an, uh, he's got like an incredible science behind why it is what it is. Um, but it's cool to see that, the there was an idea for what it could be. And, and now there's a science to, to make it how it is, you know? Yeah. Um, well, we've been, it's been interesting. We've been putting out like how we're doing it, you know, like we're, these are the things we're using and we get a lot of like, are you, well, you shouldn't do that. Like people are going to, well, we want them to, we want, we want it to be pioneered further. We want people to say like, Hey, you guys need to add this. Oh man, that's cool. You know, yeah. We, it's a, it's a community and it only gets better by when like you sharing your your process. Yeah. And your ideas and brainstorming more and like, it's not, we don't, it's not a secret. Because everybody, everybody's going to add their own thing at some exactly. point to it. Exactly. And then you want to see that. And and actually, I wanted to use that to ask you, you know, we're looking at and tasting six incredible, we're going to call them ciders. <laughs> what's, what's your recipe book look like as far as like, do you have a roster of like a hundred <laughs> recipes that you're waiting to unveil on us? We did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we did. So um, going from, you know, five, 20, hundred gallon batches to, uh, um, 5,000 gallons, yeah. you know, hundred barrel batches is it's incredibly different. And even breaking it down and doing 15 barrel, like post flavoring, everything has changed. So we now we have a book of flavors that we want to get to, but now trying to figure, out, to how figure to, out how to back. Get to so get like back we're still, them. even with the prickly pear, we're still kind of trying to find that balance of like how much prickly pears do we need or how many how much hops you know so like our first one was with maybe like uh, two pounds of hops I was like well there's no hops and then it was five pounds like well maybe we need maybe we need 10 you know hmm. so trying to figure out like that balance and since I mean we don't we don't have the money to just like flush product so people get are going to get to experience it getting to where we feel is you know mastered uh, flavor profile so and that's that's part of the fun someone like me i always say that i'm like the worst brewery fan or supporter because i'm always chasing what's next mm. and when a brewery will release something and say well we just added these hops or we did this that's what makes me go back okay i want to see what's to like an existing to an beer. existing beer that i already know was good i liked it yeah and instead of chasing something different i get to chase that different version sure. of it. Well, and, you know, these will always be changing. Even the prickly pear as a staple will always probably be in here, but it's always going to be different because we're dealing with fruit, you know? So um, we maybe use the same varieties of apples, but uh, that season, just like wine, is going to be a little bit different. And using uh, the wild yeast strands is always going to add a little bit of different, you know, whatever to it. So, um yeah, that's going to be different. And then our, our uh, kind of our recipes are going to evolve over time. You know, it took three years to really have that recipe book of like, okay, this is how we're doing it. And sometimes we'd even tweak those, you know, but we had them to where it was like, cool. So it's 10 times the size, we're just going to add 10 times as much. No, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in most cider uh, cider houses, right? Cideries is that a word? Cideries, cideries, Cidery. cideries. All right, or are in orchards. So you guys being in this facility is something completely different too. Yeah. yeah. So as we're a so urban, as a horticult- <laughs> horticulturist, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna we're gonna get this land. We're gonna put apple trees out there. We're gonna go out to Duncan and we're gonna buy all these apple trees. And then you, the realization of well, there's only so many varieties that grow really well and most of them aren't 
and our wives don't want to live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you really the apples we want to use? <laughs> that kind of, you know, we had to make some adjustments to that and say, you know what, like, we're going to get apples from one of the places that's known as like the best apple. Best uh, apples in the world. Ap- best apples in the world. Yeah. So, you know, Yakima Valley is, is, is where they come from, you know? So we have some, you know, we were able to do, fortunately, so since we don't add sugar, uh, pre-fermentation, if you were to just take apples and press them, um, like normal dessert apples, you'd probably end up with like a four and a half, five percent alcohol content. So that was kind of one, the, one of the reasons why a lot of people add sugar pre, pre-fermentation is to get up that ABV. Um, but since kind of moving our thoughts to um, getting apples from a producer, from an orchard, it was like, we can pick some of the apple blends to bump up that. And sometimes I would add a lot more um, malic acid or yeah. So kind of our process takes care of that. So we're able to bump up our, um, our starting gravity by our varieties and then not have to add sugar, which is great. But um, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so this is going to be, this going to be the tap room here. Yeah. So what, uh, love the huge flag right there too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We've got some barrels here. So, um, this place is huge. What? 4,500 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's an old building too, right? Yeah. It's very old. Yeah. It's historic. Historic. It's yeah. historic. It's historic. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> first aerial pictures I was able to find was like 1917, I think. So was, this building has been here. I mean, when we first came in, it was, uh, a lot different. You could stand in one corner and see across the entire building. There was just one little room up front. Um, so it's been through a uh, complete renovation, that's for sure. Some of the walls were adobe. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they had a guy come in and chip out each block. It's like that big, just solid adobe. Um, so yeah, it's changed. it's changed quite a bit. Yeah. But we tried... Like with the walls and stuff, we tried to leave a lot of the history here, the floors, you know, that was, that was important to us. Oh, wow. So looking at a picture here and those are, those are the original walls. If you guys had to knock that out. Yeah. Let's see here. What else? So we got a picture of the inside. Yeah. Couldn't have Adobe in here with any sort of liquids being, being made. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that was so that wow, that's huge. Is this a standalone building? I only came in from that. It is. Side. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So you're gonna have a tap room here. We got it. You guys are putting in the bar right now, so that's yep. that's going in. Um, got some beautiful yep. hand torched <laughs> cables, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One things you learn really quick uh, with opening something like this, if unless you have the money just to pay people to do it, is you become a um, a handyman yeah. really quick. <laughs> learn how to weld plumb, electrical, solder, you name it. You got YouTube, YouTube University. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, that's like, I was going to say too, that's, that's kind of the, the, the whole craft of it too, right? Like a lot of breweries, that's what I love is they're putting their heart and soul into this. Mm. You know, yep. it's not like, Hey, here's some money, build this for me. It's like, no, we're, I'm doing my normal job and then I'm coming here and working long hours here. So you guys are, I mean, all this, that's, there's just so much heart in it. Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time in here, but it's also been really cool, too, because I think when we first started kind of going around introducing ourselves to breweries, like, everybody's kind of unsure. But now that we've found a home, became good friends with Chuck over at Oro, he 
you know, he's gone through his first year now. And so he comes over here almost daily of like, okay, don't do that. That's what I did. And that's not okay. <laughs> Try it this way. Doing? And so just having like kind of a, a mentor or um, just yeah. a community that comes in and like gives pointers or helps out or it, it's been incredible to see um, kind of the community that is, you know, coming around us and helping us get going and, you know, do this. All right, well, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out and do it, you know? Yeah. Like, don't pay somebody to do this. You can do it. Uh, I'm scared, but all right, cool. <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a YouTube video somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, I literally learned how to weld this weekend. And so. <laughs> on YouTube? On YouTube. <laughs> yep. So I borrowed a, a, a MIG welder from Chuck and built a bar. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and you were telling me, too, about the, the wood that's going to go on this. That's, yeah. That's an awesome story, like the, the idea behind that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, uh, when we first knew that we were getting into a spot, we were like, we need somewhere to get some purple heart wood. And um, we looked everywhere and had found out that uh, some of the major like, wood distributors or however oh. you want to reference them. Uh, Wooderies. Wooderies. They had like been importing it illegally because it's a pretty rare thing. And um, so it had kind of been shut down for a little bit. And so we gave up on it and we were just going to do a pretty simple like picnic table top on the bar. And uh, Jason got on Craigslist a couple days ago right before we went to buy the wood just to see like is there any big planks of trees or something? And uh, some local guys up in North Phoenix had uh, the Purple Heart wood listed on the Craigslist. It wasn't even listed. There was just a pallet with some purple wood. And I was like, that can't be Purple Heart wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got a hold of him and um, went up there, and they had a bunch of it and uh, said if we came and helped them do some of the sanding and the work today, they would be able to get it to us in time for us to have our bar. So, but yeah, like, that being, that being the center point of where us meets the customer and that being kind of the crux of the business, really. Like, that's, this Purple Heart is why this whole thing started. And so we thought we couldn't pass up on the opportunity to get, to get it at whatever cost, even if it meant, again, picking up some... That's YouTube really cool. University, uh, <laughs> what is what is planking and milling wood mean? We're about to find out. Well, what is it like? So describe what the purple heart wood is. Like, yeah, so it's actually the um, it's purple. So it, it's uh, <laughs> what? it's from the sapwood, or also known as the heart wood of a tree. So in the center of a tree, if you were to cut it in half, you know how there's a dark area, and the, the inside of this tree, when you cut it, the sap almost bleeds out, and it is um, a brilliant purple. So once they cut it and process, so this is, uh, not, um, stained or dyed. This is the actual color yeah, with a little bit of mineral oil on it. It's amazing. Yeah. Like when you guys, I'm sure when people are, are listening to us, it, putting you guys under time pressure, you have to have it up by the time we put this episode yeah. on. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but how, no, this is amazing. Like how, how will that look? Will it be like a big piece? Will it be pieces together? The entire, so uh, that's just a, um, kind of a base that it will sit on, that the purple heartwood will sit on. Right. So the entire top of that will be purple. No, what I mean is, is like, is it going to be a long piece? Like these are, are, are long or oh, will yeah. it be pieces yeah. together? Yeah. It'll be pieces like together. They're in, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, those trees are only so big. So they're, I think about a foot, <laughs> yeah. 
wide, nine foot long. Um, but we'll so we'll piece them together and yeah, that'll look really neat. Yeah. So obviously the the core part of it like the cider core like military there's a lot of emphasis on military and you guys have i mean we're looking at these these tiles here right that's a big piece of um you know the whole picture absolutely yeah yeah um i think we can both probably touch on this so um kind of coming back to the valley wounded and and trying to figure out like what do i need to do like What's you know, next? I was still part of Wounded Warrior Regiment. I was going out to Balboa in California for medical appointments, and um, but didn't feel like I was getting what I needed, or my wife didn't feel like I was getting what I needed. So, um, you know, I was kind of going out, and um, my uh, military-appointed uh, lawyer was like, "You are your own advocate." nobody cares about you you in a positive way he's saying you know like you have to go seek help you know and um so i was going out and like just trying to find my own help and through like connections i um started going to barrows neurological institute and um uh, sonoran naturopathic center and uh all these places that were trying to uh, help me out and kind of on my own dime and they were really hooking me up too so uh kind of as this whole thing has evolved like we've started to realize um i mean there's a huge problem in the veteran community there's over 22 veterans that commit suicide every single day and so um and a part of that is just not wanting to go and and be medicated like there needs to be a true like something needs to happen and so we wanted to um be able to make an impact that way uh, trying to kind of connect the dots and that's part of the reason why we wanted such a big space we're gonna do what we call honor nights where we can have um, maybe nonprofits come in and talk about what they're doing and then that'd be like maybe a fundraiser where we can help them out because I, I had some nonprofits get a hold of me and it's like all right cool like what can we help you with well I have like you know ten thousand dollars worth of like doctor's appointments coming up well how about a uh, like a bike like, well, a hot, a hot air balloon ride. Like, <laughs> wow. yeah, no, I got a hot air balloon ride. And I was like, the last thing I want to do is like die on a hot air balloon crashing. <laughs> so, um, stuffed in a basket, thousands of feet above the ground. So just giving no them yeah. the yeah. exposure or, uh, giving them an opportunity to talk and, you know, like we don't always want to talk about our problems, you know, until like, cause a doctor, you go to a doctor and it's like, you are broken and you're there to be fixed you know we're like we're not cars you know like we want somebody that's a so sometimes having a coordinator or a, a non-profit that is kind of like can help you navigate that and feel like a person yeah. is, is super beneficial well, someone to get behind you in the sense that just like um you know you were encouraged and advised that you need to direct focus somewhere it, it and it's not a cool thing it's not easy but especially like for guys mm. especially military you know, there's a lot of things that, that go unsaid oh, and, yeah. and it's, it's tragic. And, but you know, when I heard that, that, that was going to be a focus for you guys that, that touched me because my dad is a, a veteran mm-hmm. of Vietnam and he not going into too much. <laughs> um, he's had some struggles, yeah. but he's done amazing because he's had a great support group with love and family and, and somehow, some way without ever going on to medication or anything like that, he, you would never have known 
but I know that that's that's an unspoken trial that too many people face. So Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. And that the the support system that you just described, that's that's part of why we're called Cider Core. Is a part of it is a tip of the cap to Jason was in the Marine Corps, but the word core means like a group of people focused on helping or serving a certain thing. Mm. Uh, they're passionate about a common focus. And so for us, we we felt like because part of the ownership has experienced that, it allows for like you to actually reach out into that group of people and have a have a voice. And, uh, and so as you see, I think it was in 2013, there was a thing released by uh, the Arizona Republic that 86% of all homeless people that you saw in the valley had served this country. Right. And so for us early on, that was, uh, okay, how can we take what we're doing and use our platform? Because we have a completely different audience, you know, of, of craft drinkers. How can we take our platform and build a core who is like committed to saying like, this has got to, like, this has to stop. These people are fighting so that we can have bars, so that we can have these different jobs, and they're coming back, and now they're standing they're asking being forgotten for help because yeah. they don't have support systems. And so how could we, like Jason was saying, we got a bigger space. It costs us a little bit more to have a bigger space, but the space is really like the heart of who we are because this is where that core support system for all these people that don't have that support system this is where we want to build it, and this is where we want to give a platform to, uh, to the nonprofits that they know what they're doing, but they don't have a platform. And if you don't have a platform, you're not going to get donors. Mm. So how can we pack this place out with 300 people on these honor nights? Help build this core that says, like, I appreciate what you did. I want to be a part of making sure that, like, these organizations that are helping support you are supporting you and and like even being able to bring in sometimes uh people uh, like like your dad and be able to bring them in on those nights and just let a group of people let them be honored by a group of people Mm -hmm. let them know that they're appreciated for what they did um and then so like kind of our little slogan is drink great cider honor great sacrifice so we want people to be in here like loving and drinking these different things and experiencing that and celebrating these these guys and women who have put it put it all out there you know that kind of and that kind of bled into this this tile campaign that we were doing and is that uh you know we we wanted people to like they they could um they could get a tile have their name engraved on it. And it was kind of their way of saying like, we support this, we're behind this, we're, you know, we're a part of we want core. to see the change, yeah. we want to be a part of the core. In some way, shape or form, provide that support, even if it's just, you know, in spirit or if it's just moral support. That, that goes, you know, I, not to take away from any of that, but I've always told people, it's, it's amazing what you can do when you get a pat on the back. Mm, and, it, and it's just simply, hey man, we appreciate you. We couldn't have done it without you. That goes so far. And Absolutely. then when, when someone feels forgotten about, it's it's a very ugly feeling. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. You, you were saying yep. too, um, even just having this door open, having this huge flag, you've attracted some people coming in, right? Absolutely. Military veterans just kind of walking around the neighborhood. Yeah, the last two weeks, just kind of working in the tap room, we've had the garage door open and multiple people every day stop by and share their stories. And and uh, it's been, it's really exciting to see because they're not necessarily always people that you would think are going to come in and and drink ciders, but there are people that are going to come in and share their stories for real, and they're, they're uh, worth being heard. <laughs> you know, there's an element to that. Um, I'm sure it's got to be exciting for you guys because you hear the cliches, you know, quality versus quantity, and it's been said before, and I can attest to it, um, the help that, you know, I've received, me and my family and my wife. Um, beer drinkers, or we'll just expand that to craft drinkers, are the best people. So just the, the focus and re, refocusing that on what you guys are doing, what might seem like a little bit of support is probably going to be more powerful, like you said, mm. than versus an organization that doesn't know or how to get that exposure. It's going to be huge. Absolutely. Huge. Huge. Yeah, I just did a Trump there <laughs> inadvertently. <laughs> so um, so coming up, this, this is going to be uh, this Saturday, November 11th. November 11th. Yeah, yeah is going to be the that's the grand opening. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, there's a the East Valley Veterans Day Parade is in downtown Mesa, and uh, actually ends here on Robson, the street that we're on, just on the other side of Maine. But um, yeah, we we wanted to take advantage of the opportunity, I guess, to to make sure like that our kind of launch into this was that. Uh, was the story was the brand you know was that people people knew why we're here and why we exist and no better day to do that than veterans day and uh yeah so we're, we're gonna we're gonna open up a, before the parade and be serving um some coffee to all the old veteran guys and, like the um, coffee cider or actual coffee? Actual coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, take this over to the parade. <laughs> if you make it back, that'd be great. Um, and then we'll be doing like some just hot mold cider just to get people like something, something to know like, hey, we are here for our cider, but we're also here for the community. Right. And uh, so give people uh, something that's approachable if they're not into alcohol or maybe shouldn't be drinking alcohol or our children. And um, and then just kind of as soon as the parade's over, be asking people to come back and uh, we'll be honoring and celebrating veterans all day. And then just, yeah, let pour, pouring all the different ciders um, and yeah, we'll have some different food for lunch, different food for dinner. Just try to. So you, I think. And I don't know if the terminology is correct. You guys were saying kind of like a, like an open house type. Does this coincide with being open or that is that a little bit later down the road? It's uh, so it is sort of an open house, maybe not your traditional open house where it's like, soft, hey, here's some soft, here's very some soft free stuff, but kind of a soft launch <laughs> into float, like float opening. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, it's kind of been a back and forth thing of trying to figure out what's the best to do. Cause we are like Jason mentioned earlier, we're hustling to get the product out. Um, but we also really want to start building this place, the heart, you know, it's just us. We don't it's have, just the, yeah, it's just the two of us. We don't have any, uh, hired cronies helping us out. It's just, 
so it, we're Crimes. doing like it as <laughs> fast as we can, but um, with four hands, we're doing what we can. And so going forward, uh, we'll probably let people know on that day, on Veterans Day, like, hey, going forward, we'll be open these days every week. You can come hang out, fill up growlers, have fun. <clears throat> but then we'll do a, a grand opening. It's to be, yeah, to be announced. Where, where this place is open every day for people to be in and out, having having a good time. But Very cool. Until then, you guys are, you, there's a waiting list pretty much from what I've heard, right? For you guys being on tap. I know you're with Fox Restaurants, but there's also, you guys are high demand. Yeah, we're, we currently have our ciders in around like 40 different places around the valley. Already. Already. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's everywhere from the guys out of Old Ellsworth and mm. Queen Creek. Yeah. All the way over to uh, west side. ground control and State 48 out on the west side, and then have made some trips up to Prescott, the Park Plaza guys. You are in Tucson. All the way to Tucson. Tucson. That's, so, what I, that's what I was telling you. I was showing my cousin that you go to tap and bottle. Yeah, I got it. Taking a little bit of the Sun, sun Devil country down. It there. happened really quick. Yeah, everything kind of happened really fast. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, it's and that's back to the. There's only two of us you know yeah so driving sales delivering (laughs) all these different places in the state in the city and uh continuing to make it when the time better when the time comes i know somebody who likes cider and would love to work for a cidery (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean as you can see the uh the 100 barrel fermenters are empty right now now so we've gone through that in the first we have a little bit stored um until we get our next batches finished but I don't look at them as empty. I look at them as ready. Ready. Ready, ready to go. Yeah. They're ready to see me. Yeah. They're ready. So, guys, before we wrap anything, wrap it up, is there anything else you guys want to add? Man. Drink this. I don't know. I mean, thanks for it. coming out. Yeah, We absolutely. appreciate you coming out. Yeah. First time on a pad podcast. First time? Oh, hi, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you guys did great. Made for radio. Feels, it feels good, right? <laughs> yeah. Feels good. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we just... I guess we want to thank the community as well. We've been really appreciative of the support that we've gotten from the different breweries and uh, tap and bottle shops. Stefan over here has been, he's a huge advocate for you guys. Been an advocate and you guys rock. Just keep um, doing it. Yeah. We hope that hope it just continues to grow. People get to come enjoy, enjoy Enjoy the good good (laughs) stuff and be along be along in the journey that's kind of why we went ahead and got the picnic tables and kept it pretty basic was allow people to kind of join our core and grow with it and yeah uh, help help them see that it's not about how cool the tables are how cool the tap room is but it's about the cider and honoring honoring veterans so hashtag friendship hashtag friendship (laughs) yeah so keep an eye out for their their ciders on tap around the valley. Yeah. Um, come here when you can and get a cider off of a grenade. Right? We got grenade yes. tap handles. Yeah. those are awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess the only other thing would be on uh, on Saturday and going forward, these tiles will always be available to yeah. people. Like this will be on the wall behind the bar. So uh, there's a lot of space for these tiles. You can start adding those in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
So a lot of the money that we raise with this, there's different levels at which you can, it's kind of like a membership program. And uh, like Jason was talking about earlier, this is kind of like allowing people to say we're a part of this core, this group of people that are committed to uh, these honor nights and honoring people. And so those will, those will be available until the wall is full and we'll use part of the money from that uh, to really make some impact in the in the community so uh yeah if you're here on saturday ask yeah uh like so we have a, a higher level that you can get in on this tile okay and what that'll entail is our barrel and bottle program so we're, we're currently fermenting in most of these barrels and we'll be aging in some barrels too some other stuff and if you're a part of that program you'll get special releases that won't go to the won't go to the public so sold that's a it's just kind <laughs> of like adding like stefan was saying earlier like pushing the bounds and continuing to push the bounds not kind of be like okay so we have these ciders this way and this works perfectly but how can we take the science that we have in creating these and now add in that into barrel fermenting not just barrel aging uh how can we how does it grow to uh apple wines like it's just still where it's uncarbonated you know and really getting to experience a totally different element of what cider can be um but yeah that's a that's a part of the tile campaign so you're, you're ruining my plans to try to move to oregon i'm gonna have to stay in arizona now <laughs> <laughs> really easy beer jet i can move to oregon it was a it was a thought oregon beer jet it it retires if i ever left but i'm not going anywhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was funny when you were saying about filling up the wall jason looked up and kind of chuckled when he's like that's a big ass wall <laughs> for sure yeah but you guys get out there Get one of your tiles up on this wall. This is this is an awesome place, awesome cause. You guys are doing great stuff. So, Thank you. Yeah, and making great. I for, sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh, you guys make cider too. Yeah, <laughs> these are great beers, man. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thanks, dude. Whatever that is, it's awesome. Yeah. So you guys are at 31 South Robson Drive in Mesa. Uh, website is cidercoreaz.com. Um, you guys are active on Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Right. That's yep. Angela back here. That's Angela. From she, uh, Tin Can Marketing. Yep, Angela, yep, you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> hi. I'm behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Easy Beer Jedi, what, uh, where do we find you? Where do we, in what process? Uh, I'm going to be here as much as possible. <laughs> I'm probably going to gonna beg to you know, volunteer and can't work this out into a job somehow. But <laughs> no, this is, this is a big deal, and that's why I... You know, felt very strongly that it's like, okay, we need to make sure that this is in the limelight because it's, it's, I think, in a big way um, because of the cause and really the awareness that you guys are generating. Like you said, when you guys were getting into it, everybody was brewing and it kind of becomes stagnant. You know, you're excited, you want to support. Seems like everybody's got to kind of work out the kinks and you go there and it's just like, oh, they only got one beer on. But you guys got six and you guys aren't even open yet that are amazing that's just the product business form of it but then what you're giving back i think is going to be huge it's just i can't get i can't not say that it's going to be amazing so so many different levels to it can't wait to see it yeah 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 
Absolutely. So you're on Instagram sometimes? Sometimes. <laughs> I might be on Instagram. I might be on Facebook sometimes, but you never know. Yeah. And AZ Beer Jedi has been doing some good articles, great articles for AZ Food and Beer too. So um, good friend, a good contributor. So love this community. You guys keep it up. This is awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Awesome. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening to the show and for your support of the craft beer scene here in Arizona. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, as well as on our YouTube channel to get notifications right away when we release new material. Also, check out the website where everything's going to be posted for each episode at tapthataz.com. In the meantime, always remember, stay awesome.